0: Hey Westside family. My name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders. And we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. I'm going to teach uh, for the next couple weeks, maybe three weeks on the gifts of the spirit. Uh, I've been feeling the need and the necessity to do that. Uh, So, there's a reason behind this, and the reason that I really feel the need and feel led to teach on the Holy Spirit has to do with something that that I have mentioned in the past, but I also mentioned here recently, and it has to do with the church and its influence in the world. So, God's desire is for the world to experience him. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So God's heart is the world. God's heart is not just the Jewish people. It's not just the Christians. God's heart is for the world. And God established uh, the church, not the organization that I'm talking about at this point, to be his light, to be his love, and to be his power in the world. And he did it because he loves the world. And so the church became this structured, organized uh, experience. And it has been what we know it today for centuries. And at different points of, uh, uh, of time throughout history, it, it has had different influences. It has different it has had different powers uh, in different nations, in di- different countries. It has had different amounts of power and different amounts of influence. And in our nation, the church has always been very powerful. That's why we have some of the largest churches in the world. That's why I emphasize some, some of the greatest revivals throughout church history has happened within uh, the perimeters of our nation. Uh, That is why still to this day, we send out more missionaries uh, into the uttermost parts of the world. Can we turn that down please? Into the uttermost parts of the world more so than any, any other country, uh, any other nation. But over the last two decades, there's been quite a bit of change when it comes to the relationship of the church and the world. When it comes, when it comes uh, about our influence and our power and how we affect and how we impact over the last two decades, uh, in general, the church has begun to lose power has begun to lose influence. We don't shine as bright as we used to shine. The words that we speak doesn't have the authority that they used to carry. And it has created quite the issue. And you can see the effect of it just by looking at the struggle of families, the struggle of social issues, uh, the changes that is occurring uh, in our nation on a social level and on a personal and on a family level and that there, the, there really should not be an argument some people might argue you know the bible says you know a, a tree by the fruit it bears in my opinion there's really no argument to that because it's proven proof is in the pudding the church is not what it used to be the church does not have the power that it that it used to have If it did, we wouldn't be experiencing the changes that we are rapidly experiencing in our schools, in our communities, uh, in our homes, and the list goes on. But just because there are these changes that is occurring with the structure or the organization of church doesn't mean that the love of God has changed for the world. And because the love of God has not changed for the world, that means his willingness to release his power into the world has not changed either. It is God still loves the world and it is still his will for the world to experience his power. To get a reality check of who he is, to realize That he's not just another God. That he's more than a Buddha. He's more than Islam. He's more than the thousands of of gods of Hinduism. He's more than the energy. He's more than a statue. That he is the one and only living God, Jehovah. But how is that going to happen? because we ourselves, as a structure is, is losing influence the way it's going to happen is from the original church. What is the original church? The original church is simply God's people without a building. That's the original church. If you study out how the church became and what the church was in the New Testament, you will see that the church was God's people without a building. They met in homes. They met in highways and byways. They met in parks or public places. And they met in temples. But these structures in these facilities did not form them, shape them, It was not their identity, but their identity was what they believed and what that belief produced in them that changed those on the outside of them. They believed in a God that died for them, and they believed that the same power in which their God operated with on a day-to-day basis in his life of ministry, is the same power and the same authority that they was to exist with, express with, and live by. We are in a time and an age where the structure of church and the organization of church is losing influence. But church as us as individuals, individual followers of Christ, we can still be influential. We can still allow God to impact and change the world through us outside of what we have here. Now, does that negate this? By no means. Because this is important, because inside these perimeters, there is a safe place to worship. Inside these perimeters, it is a safe place to express. Our praise and adoration unto God. Inside these perimeters, it is a safe place to be restored, to be healed, to be encouraged, to be corrected, to be held accountable, to to, to, to love one another, to accept one another. Iron sharpens iron to help one another. It is a place to come where you don't have to worry about the outside battles that you deal with in the world. It is a safe place. It's an honest place. It's a healthy place, and it is a place that God dwells because it is a place that we come together for the sake of him. And God says, when two or three together, together in my name, I am right in the middle of them. So this is important. But what happens out there is also important. And what needs to happen out there. Is the power of God manifesting through you and I in a world that's becoming godless. So that's the premise for this teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. So let me read to you the gifts of the Spirit and let's begin to start this teaching journey. 1 Corinthians 12 starting with verse 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Can you say each one? Can you look at somebody and say, that means you. For the profit of all. Can you say all? It didn't say just the church. It says for all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills the gifts of the spirit are spiritual gifts of god's power that can manifest through us his children for the benefit of all these are not natural gifts these are not talents these are not abilities these are not things you go to school for. These are not things that you learn how to do. These are supernatural gifts from the Holy Spirit. That's why they are called spiritual gifts. And they are available to each one. Not just the pastor. Not just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher. But to each one believer of Jesus Christ, one or more of these supernatural powers are available to us. If we, and here's key, are available to God for them to work in us. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This power in Acts 1.8 is talking of, it includes the gifts of the Spirit. And this is key right here. And this is, this is really where I'm at. These gifts produce a witness. Let me say that again. These gifts, which is the power of God in us, produce a witness. Maybe you have a hard time being a witness. Well, this power working through you can be a witness. Maybe the church has a hard time being a witness. Well, this power through the people of the church can be a witness. Maybe there's not a witness on TV. Maybe there's not a witness on the radio. Maybe there's not a witness in the communities like there used to be. But there can be a witness from these powers that can come and be activated from our lives as followers of God. The world needs Jesus desperately. Can we agree on that? Our families need Jesus desperately. When it says witness in eight, it is talking about a witness of Jesus Christ. And these powers produce that. And let me, I, I am really emphasizing the need for, uh, f- for these gifts, for these powers to be in the world. But, but there is just as important an area that they need to be. And that is our personal families. These gifts needs to operate in our families, because there needs to be a supernatural witness that occurs in our families. These gifts aren't just for the world, and these gifts aren't just for what happens in the church, but these gifts are for the witness of God in our families. Our families need to know about them. Our families need to experience them. Our families need to embrace them so that witness of Jesus is just as strong in our families as he needs to be in the world and as he needs to be in the church. If you really think about it, our families is right in the middle. We have the world on one side, we have the church on the other side. And then we have the families right in the middle. You come to church, but you are in the world, right? And so what better place for these gifts to manifest and to be activated and to be used other than base camp? Right in the middle of our families. From our families, they can go into the world. And from our families, they can come into the church. Does that make sense? Well, what are these gifts? Let, 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 let's, let, let, let's, let's get a little bit technical here. So these nine gifts of the Spirit, they are broken down into three categories. Not going to speak on all nine gifts today. Not going to speak on all categories today. I keep you here a long time. So number one, three cate- uh, uh, of the three categories, we have gifts of re- revelation, which are also mind gifts. Number two, we have gifts of inspiration, which are vocal gifts. And number three, we have gifts of power, which are working gifts. Now today, I'm just going to hit on on gifts of revelation or mind gifts. So we're going to look at all three of these, but we're also going to look at and talk about how these can be applied in a real-world situation. So number one, what is a word of knowledge? Now, you will come across maybe a possible different interpretations of this, I'm going to give you the basic spirit-filled interpretation that typically comes out of uh, Pentecostal-slash-Charismatic-slash-full-gospel type of churches or denominations. Because in essence, that's what we are. So, word of knowledge. So first of all, you have to look at the, the big emphasis here, and it is knowledge. What is knowledge? Knowledge is information, period. Information. It is not a directive on what to do. It is divine information or divine revelation. Remember, these are gifts of the Spirit. It is not information you get from studying, it is not information you get from somebody else telling you something, it is not information you get from gossip. You don't get a word of knowledge from listening to the neighbor's gossip or gossip about the church person across the church. And so don't act like, ever act like God has given you a word of knowledge when you just heard somebody's gossip. Don't ever go to somebody and say, I got a word from you. And that word is not a divine revelation from heaven, but that, that word is a demonic word from a sin called gossip. Oh, you don't want to get me started on gossip. Because it's right up there with adultery and fornication and lying and stealing. But it's one of those sins the church covers up because a whole lot of people do it in the church. And if the preacher starts preaching on it, those tithers are going to go to another church where they allow gossip to happen. Let's get back on the gifts, Johnny boy. (laughs) Divine revelation or knowledge concerning God's will or God's plan. It is a divine knowledge about people, about circumstance. That can include past, that can include present, that can include the future. It is a supernatural knowledge that comes from God. So, for example, you can be talking to someone, and all of a sudden, boom, you get this revelation that has to do with something that they went through as a child. It can be very precise, it can be... Generalized, I have been ministering to people and all of a sudden I've had knowledge come to me that something happened to them in their childhood. I didn't get the details. I just knew something happened to them in their childhood and I began to inquire about that and then all of a sudden all the floodgates came open. It was a divine amount of knowledge that just came to me out of nowhere. That enable me to go deeper in ministry, in deliverance and helping this individual out. I've had divine knowledge about a church. I've had divine knowledge about uh, things in a community, divine knowledge about what is going to happen in the future. It's just these, these moments of just revelation that just comes to you with whatever you're doing. It could be a job. You can be on a job, and God can give you divine knowledge that such that, 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 that possibly, this is just hypothetical, that that company is going to go bankrupt in two years. You can be given divine knowledge that the school your child wants to go to seems good, looks good, sounds good, but it's not the best for them. You can be given divine knowledge that maybe your child is headed to school for one thing, but yet they are called or they do better at Another thing am I making sense this morning? It's divine knowledge from heaven from God It's God revealing something to us about it could be a person, place or thing past, present, future. So how does this work in the in, in the real world? It can work when with your coworkers when God just gives you some information about their lives and that information doesn't entitle you to talk about it. That information doesn't entitle you to gossip about it. That information doesn't entitle you to look at them any different. That information can lead you to pray for them, can lead you to talk to them, can lead you to consider maybe why they act the way they act. That has happened to me numerous times when I've dealt with some hardheads and like, man, why are they being this way? And then all of a sudden, boom! God gives me a word of knowledge about them and I realize, oh, that's why they're hard. That's why they're mean. That's why they're untrustworthy. That's why they lie. That enabled me to deal with them differently, to have a compassion for them, to pray with them, maybe not to trust them. Am I making sense this morning? This can happen in conversation with people. It can happen while passing. I've been just introduced to somebody, shook their hands and said hello, and all of a sudden God just gave me a word of knowledge just like that for them. And it was confirmed within hours or maybe days. What do you do with it? Number one, you pray about it. Number two, if God opens the door, you never force yourself into someone's information. If God opens the door, you talk with them about it. Maybe you act upon it. That includes the act. Gift of wisdom, which we'll be talking about. I told this story at one, at, uh, one time in my past. Here, uh, I was I was working on a side job. Uh, it was laying laying a towel f- uh, in, in front of a fireplace, and it was just kind of a quick job. and And uh, it was uh, granite, and uh, it's not a not a big piece, but the guy that I was working for he was he was cutting this stone with a a very large hand hand saw. And I think it was just turning, and I was sitting there uh, holding the stone, and all of a sudden I had this thing come to me, this information that this Saul is going to skip, or it can skip, and it can hit his body and tear him up. So immediately I begin to pray, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over so-and-so. I ask that you just keep him safe. I'm sitting here holding this stone. This Saul was going. He had no guard on it. It was very dangerous, but we was just trying to rush in, get out, get, get money, and go on. And all of a sudden, that Saul skipped, jumped back, swung out, grabbed his pants leg, started doing this and began to make its way up toward his growing area. And he reached out like this, and right before it hit his growing, it come to a stop. And he looked over at me, his eyes as big as golf balls. I think his pants was wet. He had a super close call. And I was like, brother, 30 seconds ago, God showed me that possibility and had me pray for you. And I declared protection over your body as you was doing this. He's like, man, I'm taking you and your family out to dinner tonight. (laughs) We went to this pizza place and got a four-pound pizza. It was the best pizza in the world. I was up in Petaluma, California. Anyway, that was a word of knowledge that I acted upon through prayer. I didn't stop him in his job, I didn't freak him out, but I immediately began to pray and plead the blood of Jesus. My dad, in the spirit, in the spirit saw someone attacking my brother once. And my brother was in a Walmart parking lot uh, with the windows down, and a dude just came up out of nowhere and jacked him two times in the face and took off running, got in a truck, and sped off. And my, my dad saw that. It was a word of knowledge. It was divine revelation. It's a a part of God's power that's for us if we're open to it. Let me move on. Second in in the revelational gifts is the word of wisdom. Now, the the word of knowledge is information. Knowledge. The word of wisdom is about what to do. Wisdom is always about doing the right thing or doing the godly thing or doing the thing that we should do. Wisdom is all about acting out. The opposite of wisdom is foolishness. So when you do the right thing, you act in wisdom. When you do the stupid thing, you act in foolishness. And so there is not a gift of foolishness from God. There is a act of foolishness from the devil. But the A word of wisdom is a divine word about what one should do. Have you ever found yourself at a crossroads and you had multiple decisions? And you're like, what do I do? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? Do I make this purchase? Do I go to this school? Do I change jobs? Do I marry this man? He's ugly, but he treats me good. (laughs) Word of wisdom. What do we do? Sometimes human wisdom can supply the information. Sometimes having conversation with people who's been there, done that, can provide the directive. But sometimes... No matter who you talk to, no matter what you read, no matter how many pieces of paper that you lay out on the table and you write all the pros and the cons and the costs, sometimes you just don't know. And this can happen in one of two ways. It can happen for you, or it can happen through you for somebody else. And the gift of wisdom is simply divine, it's divine directives from God about doing something you need to do or divine directives from God than you telling somebody what they need to do. But you always make it clear, this is not you, but you felt in your heart or the Holy Spirit spoke to you that you are to share this with this someone, but it's totally on on their back. Divine wisdom. I find this extremely important in a family setting, extremely important for our children, for our marriages, for job changes. I find it extremely important. There's been times in our own family when we've wanted to do something or our kids wanted to do something. And sometimes I might get a specific. Or sometimes I just might get a general sense. This is not the right thing to do. And I have to say, no, we, we, we can't do that. I'm just not feeling it. And then sometimes it might be all these detailed reasons why or why not. Probably in my life, I depend and I seek for a word of wisdom probably more than anything. Because it can literally mean the difference between blessing and curse, good, bad, making a mistake or not, sending our kids off to a place or with another person or with another family. How many times do we let our kids go off with maybe people we don't know 100. Like we don't know all the details about what happens in their life or in their family. Their friends, now when they're younger, of course that doesn't happen. But when they're older, maybe they meet a school friend. And they go out and do something and they hang out. And we really don't know the details of that. This is where a word of wisdom really needs to come into effect. Word of knowledge as well. In the real world, how could this happen? You could have a friend, you could have a coworker talking to you about a choice that they need to make and all of a sudden out of nowhere a word of wisdom comes to you for them and you can just be straight up honest with them and you can say, you know what? I really feel in my heart I, I, I need to tell you this and you know, th- th- this is a possibility uh, for you to take or for you not to take. Now sometimes they take it, and sometimes they don't. One of the worst things about pastoring is giving people words of wisdom, and they ignore it, and then you see them flop right on their face or make a bad, a bad or stupid choice. I've had it numerous times in my life. The second time we moved to Texas, we was kind of in limbo. We was living in district, like a district apartment. Uh, there was about three, several communities, three f- few communities for us to choose from. We just didn't know what to do. And one day I just woke up, and it was like a word of wisdom came to me. Go check out two houses, or go check out houses in New Braunfels. It just came to me clear as day. And I said, Tolerana, said, we're going to go check out these houses in New Braunfels. And she's like, well, look, they, they call such and such. I said, I don't know. I don't care. God will take care of us. And I didn't tell her it was a word of wisdom. I don't always share that. But I woke up and boom, it happened. And it was very cool. We went and looked at one house. Uh, it was a house that was, instead of it being rented by a managing system, it was rented by a, a, a person in real estate themselves. And, and anyway, she was wonderful to work with, was able to get in it, no problem. And when we ended up moving here, she released us early of our lease, for us to come here without me being out a month or two months rent and it was 14, 15, something like that 100 bucks see how that word of wisdom came to me and what it led to that word of wisdom said as soon as I woke up go check out the houses in New Braunfels and when I saw the house it's like oh yeah I'm interested in that one and it just boom, boom 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 it just lined up and it worked and then later on it even worked out better for me when I needed to move That was a word of wisdom that God gave me for the benefit of me and my family. But if I would be all closed off and if I wouldn't be open, if I wouldn't pray on a regular basis and if I wouldn't be listening to God on a regular basis and if I wouldn't ask the Holy Spirit to let your gifts operate in me and if I wouldn't develop an ear. I've developed an ear over years of ministry and walking with God to be able to hear and recognize when these things happen in my life and I would encourage you and it doesn't matter how old you are, it's never too late to start. Develop a heart, develop an ear, develop a willingness to submit to God so that he can begin to allow his gifts to function through you. For your benefit and for other people's benefit as well. Because there's been numerous times that God has given me a word of wisdom for other people concerning their circumstance. The last one is discernment of spirits. So we live in a spiritual world just like we live in a physical world. So in the spiritual world, the Bible teaches us that there is principalities, there is domains, there is powers, there is temptations. There are attacks, there are oppressions, which is also torments, and there are possessions. In the physical world, we know the physical world by our five senses. The sense of sight, the sense of hear, the sense of taste, the sense of smell, the sense of feeling. But in the spiritual world, those five senses does not work. You do not know what's happening in the spirit world by what you see necessarily, hear, taste, smell, or feel. Sometimes it can be see, sight, but not all the time and sometimes not a lot of times. In the spiritual world, there's usually two things that causes us to know what is what. Number one, it is the fruit of the Spirit. And this is when sight comes comes into effect. The Bible teaches us that we know a tree by the fruit it bears. So I've been around people and their fruit showed me what spirit they're about. But it doesn't always work that way because as we know, most people come to church or most people live life like everything is all good, all cool, everything's hunky-dory and there ain't no problem in the world. Right, And so you may not just see the fruit of a bad spirit manifesting out of somebody. What you need is to be able to discern that. To be able to know it from God without seeing anything, without hearing anything, without knowing anything. And this is where the the gift of discernment comes into effect. This is so important in our families because you need to be able to discern if something your child is looking at isn't good or not. If another kid your child is hanging out with isn't good or not. When we moved up to Santa Rosa for a few months, immediately my son, Koa, met a a neighborhood kid... And something just didn't set right with me about him. Like within the first two days, we invited him over uh, for one of our kids' birthdays. But something just didn't set right with me about this kid. Koa still played with them, you know, I, it, nothing was proven. But something just did not set right with me about this kid. Come to find out, this kid at eight years old was selling weed. He tried to get Koa to sell weed, and he gave Koa an opportunity to smoke weed at eight years old. I was discerning. I I, I wasn't able to put a finger on it, but that was the gift of discerning, discernment coming to me. Something just, he looks cool, he acts cool, he's all smiles, looks like he's a fun little kid. There was an evil in that kid to sell and use dope at eight years old. And that was the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment works great with your spouse. You can walk into that kitchen and be like, oh, you better treat her sweet today because she ain't in mood to take any, any, any slap from your mouth. I'm just kidding. Just smile, just smile. Just, just, just humor me. So, it's the insight to recognize what is happening in the spirit realm. What's going on? Like, what's really happening? What's really happening in your family? What's really happening in the community and the government? What's really happening at church? What's really happening in this relationship? What is the underneath power? What is the underneath flow? What is the influence here? What is really happening? Is this person trustworthy? Is there not trustworthy? Is, is, is being able to buy this home or buy this car? Is it really good, as they say, or is it a lemon? This this person that I would like to be in a relationship with, or are are, are they really cracked up to what they say they are? The gift of discernment is imperative. It's also imperative when it comes to ministry. Because Sometimes when you minister to people, you go to battle for them. And like I said, people come looking all good, especially on social media. They put their best foot forward most of the time. And sometimes you need to be able to, I'm going to say it nice, cut through the junk. And you may not have the natural eye to see the junk. But God can, through discernment, can let you know what what really is going on. And if you need to minister to somebody, you you can cut all that junk out and get right to the issue, right to the problem. Am I making sense this morning? How does this work in the real world? It keeps you safe in the real world. Not only does it keep you safe, it allows you to truly minister to people where they are in the real world. You have a coworker that comes in and normally they're happy and maybe for a few days just something ain't right. They don't say it and they don't necessarily wear their feelings on their shoulder, but there's you just sense Something isn't right. Maybe you don't have the details. Maybe a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom didn't come to you. But you just discern something isn't right. And you have an opportunity just to simply say, how are you doing today? Is everything going okay for you? Just like a common little statement. And all of a sudden, that per- person unleashes the battles of marriage or the battles of parenting or the battles of finances or maybe they lost a family member and that discern gift of discernment created a wide open opportunity for you to ke- connect somebody to Jesus Christ do you see how th- just these three gifts can lead people to a witness of Jesus If you're given knowledge about a circumstance, you can lead that person in that circumstance right to Jesus. If you're given a word of wisdom to to, to someone about a circumstance, you can connect that right to Jesus. If you are given discernment about something that somebody is going through, you can connect that right there to Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit are so important in the world. In our families and of course in our church. Amen. So let me say this, the gifts lead to Jesus. They do not live, they do, they do not lead to you being or me being some self-righteous, holy man or holy woman. Some people has went that way and that's absolutely wrong. They lead to Jesus. And just because one might operate in them don't mean they're any, any more special than anybody else. I personally don't agree in going out and looking for opportunities for gifts to be used. Like, I don't go out looking for, for something that is going to provide a gift of knowledge, wisdom, or discernment. I don't go out like, you know, Lord, give me discernment about, about these people. I I personally, I I don't do that, and I personally, I don't agree with that. However, I do believe in being open and looking for opportunities to minister to people and allow the gifts to flow organically as the Holy Spirit leads. The Bible says we're to be a light into the world, and it's okay to see, recognize, and even look for darkness where you can shine a light. But what, how how we cannot dictate how God wants to reveal that light through us. Because the verse that I, that, that I read to you, it says at the very end, it says this. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. So we can't be going out and, and, and looking for an opportunity to express this gift. Let's just look to give somebody a word. Let's just look to give somebody a, a, a word of wisdom. Let's just look to discern what spirit this person is of. That, I, I've been in this almost 30 years, and that is not how God works. But what does work is say, God, it's when we say, God, use me. Use me today. Use me tomorrow. Use me every day to be a light in the darkness. And if somebody needs a touch from you, then open my eyes to see and open my heart to receive and enable me to be used by you in whatever measure that that person needs. If that's healing, then Lord, let healing flow through me. If that's a miracle, then God let a miracle flow through me. If that is a word of wisdom, knowledge, or discernment, then God let it flow through me so that that person can have an encounter, a reality check, a moment with you. And therefore, these gifts and your light becomes a witness of Jesus to them in their life. Amen. Stand to your feet if you will. Lorana's going to make her way up to close us out today, finish up any announcements or anything that needs to be said. I don't know how to go about it or if I'll go about it, but there really needs to be a teaching on how you put yourself in a position to exercise these things. How do you put yourself in a position? What are are some heart, what are some mindsets? What are some things you do for God to begin to use you and how how that can look? So I don't know how that's going to work. Uh, We do need to cover that. It might be an online thing or a Wednesday night thing. I'm not for sure. But I do want to say this and encourage you with this before I pray. If you're serious about Jesus, then you have a responsibility to open your heart for him to use you to meet needs of people. It's your responsibility as a son of God, as a daughter of God. It is our responsibility to be a light in the world. If I can be so blunt with you, we we can't say we're a good Christian, but yet us not do the things that Christ did because being a Christian really means being a mini-Christ. In all reality, that's really what it means. And if we're Christian just because we wanna go to heaven or we're part of this church culture and we're not willing in some form or fashion to be the light of Christ into the world, and we're really not a good Christian. See, I, I don't constitute good Christians because of the wrongs they don't do or the rights that they do do because we all make mistakes and everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. And you can be righteous today and you can eat it big time tomorrow. But what really to me constitutes a good Christian or not is how we take on the burden of the world and we are willing and we allow God to use us be a light, to be a witness, to speak into someone's heart, to reach into someone's circumstance, to be a shoulder to cry on, to be an ear to listen to, to be an arm to fall into, to be some resources to help people up, to be a word of encouragement or correction. And in order to do this, We have to be willing we have to say yes Lord use me and we have to be willing for him to use us through his power and this is his supernatural power for us right here this is his supernatural power for us and allowing these things to work through us is really what makes the difference It says it in Acts 1-8. I'm not just like preaching you an opinionated word. It says it in Acts 1-8. When the Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. And these are the powers. It says you will be a witness. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all ends of the world. Amen? Let me pray for you. Bow your head, Father, may we all be so willing to accept the burden, the mantle, the mandate, the mission that Jesus Christ left for all of his children to fulfill. And that is a mandate to be a witness, sat simple. A mandate to be the light in the middle of darkness in whatever way the Holy Spirit deems necessary to move through us. Father, after today and after this series, may we be more aware of more able and more available to be used with spiritual power. Not just earthly power, that's important, but with spiritual power also. The power of a word of knowledge. The power of a word of wisdom. The power of a discernment of the spirits at hand. Father, I ask that Our mind and our heart be softened today so that we be willing to be a light and to be used with your power inside the world, inside of our families, and inside of our church family. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you guys. I love you. Lorana has something. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.